What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. We are finally back after the international break. I took a proper break this time. I haven't done a video I think since last Tuesday. So a whole week off and I thought I would ease ourselves in gently with a nice transfer tips video talking about the most popular transfers in and out ahead of game week nine and giving you my opinion on whether they are good moves or not. All the usual content will come after this as well of course like uh, game week preview, team selection, final thoughts and deadline stream as well it's good to be back if you're happy that fpl is returning make sure to give the video a like hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already and let's jump into it all right let's start off with james maniton i'm not quite sure where i stand on this one because on the face of it he's probably perfectly fine to bring in right fulham at home this week the fixtures afterwards are definitely worse than what Spurs have had, but they're not completely awful. We know that he's nailed on. His underlying stats look pretty good. Spurs are a very attacking team as well. So he's he's just generally a pretty good option that is going to continue to tick over points, you would imagine. But I was also a little bit surprised to see so many people have brought him in. Over 150,000 FPL managers already this week. And the reason that I'm a little bit surprised is... I don't think he's a big captain option this week, even though it's Fulham at home. You've got Salah against Everton, Haaland against Brighton. Obviously, Son playing number nine is probably better as well. The fixtures do turn a little bit afterwards. Again, they're not awful, but they're not really ones you would necessarily go out of your way to target. Palace away, Chelsea at home, Wolves away between game weeks 10 and 12. And also, from speaking to people about game week 10 wildcard, they'll probably look to offload Madison and not have him on that wildcard. And I think a lot of people that do have him if they're not wildcard and maybe they've already used it, whatever the situation might be, he seems to be one of the make weights to get Saka back because obviously Arsenal got Sheffield United at home in game week 10. So it's not that he's a bad transfer in, but I know a lot of people are thinking about removing him soon. And so obviously Fulham at home looks good, but after that it does get a little bit worse. So I guess it really comes down to if you've got him as one of your midfield slots, and let's just assume that most people are on 3-5-2 still, then who are you giving up Instead of, you know, who are you not having by having Madison? So a lot of people want to have Salah at the moment. I think from game week 10, if he's fit, and we're going to talk about him later on, Saka is another player that people want. And obviously, there's only so much budget to go around, right? So you can't have every expensive player in the game. But Son is another really popular pick. And if he's fit to continue playing, he's going to keep being the number nine. He's probably a slightly better pick. So then you've got to find 8.1 million to have Madison as well. Most people are probably going to have cheaper players in those positions like Diaby, Ward, Prowse, Bowen, etc. Because if you want to keep Salah and Haaland, it's very difficult to, you know, have Madison as well as Saka, Salah and Son, etc. So I just think the landscape is maybe changing a little bit over the next couple of weeks. And Madison probably isn't a part of that. But at the same time, if you're not wildcarding and you don't have the money to get Saka or something like that, or you just want to go without him, or maybe he's ruled out through injury. Um, you know, We'll hear from Arteta in the press conference on Friday. Then at the same time, Madison is probably fine to keep over those fixtures. I said that a while back, that if you got stuck with Son and Madison with these games they've got coming up, it really wouldn't be the end of the world. So I guess I have to say he's still a pretty good transfer in, but I would just think about what your midfield or what you want your midfield to look like over the next few weeks. Because I know a lot of people, especially on Game Week 10 wildcard, are thinking about going without Madison. And it's not to say he's a bad pick, but it does suggest that there's maybe other ways to kind of build that team. So yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to sit here all season and say Madison is a bad pick because... You know, I think we want players that are nailed on, right? They're going to get good minutes, that are going to be able to tick over with points. And he ticks all those boxes. 
I just wasn't expecting so many people to bring him in. But Fulham at home could absolutely get a good score there. And I'm happy that I've got him in my team. So Marcus Rashford continues to disappoint. He hasn't returned a goal or an assist since game week four. And if, like me, you bought him at 9 million, he's already dropped to 8.8. So we've lost 0.2 million on him. And he's almost certainly going to drop to 8.7 before the game week nine deadline. So that's frustrating enough. But then you look at the fixtures Man United have got coming up. And obviously Man City at home in game week 10 is difficult. But outside of that, it's Sheffield United away this week, Fulham away in game week 11, then it's Luton at home, Everton away in game week 13. That fixture run looks really good. And it's so frustrating because there's almost no justification to hold on to him right now. And he's not even playing the kind of 80 to 90 minutes anymore. He keeps getting subbed as well. So if we look at the last two games, 62 minutes against Brentford. Bearing in mind, Man United were chasing the game at that point. They did end up winning it because McTominay came on and got that brace after the 90th minute. But at 62 minutes when he came off, they're chasing the game and you take off Marcus Rashford. That is not a great position to be in as a Marcus Rashford owner. And against Crystal Palace, it was 76 minutes as well. So that doesn't look great. I will just touch on the starting position because some people are speculating that at some point he could be dropped and Garnacho could play instead. I think that's still really unlikely, although I am less confident about that after he got subbed on 62 minutes than I was before that Brentford game but I just think if you look at the fixtures Man United have got coming up it's Man City at home in game week 10 and I think there's no way that Ten Hag wants to start without Rashford but at the same time and obviously in some ways I'm building a narrative here right which is very easy to do in FPL you might want to build a different narrative but I'm thinking to myself Ten Hag's going to want to play Rashford, right? Yes, he hasn't been great, but on paper, he is one of Man United's best attackers. And that is a very difficult game at home. So do you really drop him for Sheffield United away? What does that do to his confidence? So I feel like you give him that game. You hope he gets on the score sheet. Like if he can't do it against Sheffield United, it may never happen again. And then you've got hopefully a confident Rashford going into a home game against Man City, where if you can get the win, obviously that you know creates momentum etc we won't go into that they'll probably lose so i don't think he'll be benched against sheffield united but the minutes are a worry so i'm kind of at the stage now and you know how long i've kept hold of him where i think you can justify selling him but i still think it's very hard to do before sheffield united there's not many players i would sell before that fixture even if they are at risk at dropping in price again obviously right if you've got the money to go straight to salah fair enough even if that's for a four point hit you could maybe justify it if you were captain in salah and obviously players like son have got fulham at home and if you want him for the long term that's probably a perfectly fine transfer as well there are not many other midfielders that i think are worth a transfer to bring in this week no matter how long-term you want to hold on to them. I think Rashford against Sheffield United away on paper is pretty decent. And I don't think I would sell him for a hit either. So I'm up for selling him. And I will almost certainly not own Rashford in game week 10. But I think Sheffield United away, I wouldn't take him out for a hit. And unless it's for Salah or Son, or maybe you're going down to like a Madison because you want to free up money for another move, fair enough. But when I look at the fixtures that other teams have got, like, okay, Liverpool against Everton at home, pretty good. But who's going to start because of international duty? And if you go for a punt on Jota, how many more minutes is he going to get after that? And the rest of the fixtures, like Newcastle against Palace, Anthony Gordon, like is that better than Rashford this week? I mean, it might end up being that way. But on paper, I just don't think you can justify that kind of move. And I know what people are going to be saying in the comments, right? I can see it already. You made a mistake holding on, on, uh, on to him for that long. Fair enough. But you kind of got to let go of the past. That mistake has been made right and i'm not saying we hold on to him for the next five to six weeks i'm just talking about game week nine only 
And it wouldn't be completely shocking if he came away returns. Look at Chelsea last week against Burnley. Most people wildcarded players like Sterling out. Rightly so, by the way. I would never have kept him on a wildcard. And he blanked like, what, three or four games in a row before that? All of a sudden, he has a good fixture and he gets a goal and two assists. And look, Rashford may not get that. He may blank again. But I think there is every reason to keep hold of him this week if you've got the money to go to Salah fair enough if you want Son fair enough but I probably wouldn't take him out for a hit and there aren't many other midfielders I'd go for because I think he's going to start if you think he's at real risk of being benched different story completely from game week 10 fair enough move him on to someone else someone like Saka for example wildcard him out whatever the plan is that's fair enough but Sheffield United away surely even Rashford can get returns in that game so I won't spend too long talking about Bakayo Saka because realistically we need an injury update from Arteta to know exactly what to do with him. But he is the most transferred out midfielder so far this week. Over 200,000 FPL managers have already sold him. So I thought it was worth kind of discussing him a little bit. Now I would be careful about transferring him out if he's fit for that Chelsea away game because he is one of those players that I think longer term you are going to want. So obviously if you remove him, you've then got to think about what your plan is to get him back. Now obviously if you're wildcard in game week 10 which is quite popular then yes you remove him for game week 9 then you can just wildcard him back in that's not a problem whatsoever but if you're not doing that if you want to save your wildcard long term or you've already used it then he is a player that a lot of people are making plans to get in in game week 10 for that Sheffield United at home fixture and yes it was extremely frustrating to not have Saka against Man City I completely get that he wasn't in the squad at all but I don't think we should have been expecting a huge amount of points in that fixture anyway so you've missed a tough game and look Chelsea away is not a fantastic fixture I don't think there's a huge amount of goals in that game for Arsenal but it's not that bad and then you run into Sheffield United at home Newcastle away Burnley at home Brentford away Wolves at home and despite what's happened with Saka giving away penalties and stuff like that I still think he is the best Arsenal attacker to own in FPL so I think if you've got him even though Chelsea away doesn't look great on paper if he's fit I would probably keep hold of him because most people are going to wildcard him in in game week 10 or they're making plans of how they're going to bring him in I do think because game week 11 is Newcastle away you could get away with not bringing Saka in until game week 12 but if you've already got him you're saving yourself a transfer by not... Well, you're saving yourself two transfers, right? Because one to take him out and then one to bring him back in. Um, ultimately, I just think the the Arsenal fixtures are pretty good. And look, we're a little bit away from the Christmas period now. But as we get closer to that, you are going to want players that you can rely on that are very rarely injured. Although I know, ironically, he is injured right now, possibly. Uh, we'll have to wait for that update. And that are always going to start. That is just going to be more beneficial over that period where lots of games come thick and fast and after the Wolves game in game week 14 they got Luton away in 15 Villa away in 16 Brighton at home in 17 Liverpool away in 18 look you could say that Villa away Brighton at home Liverpool away isn't great but I don't think it's that bad for an attacker and then 19 is West Ham at home that's Boxing Day 26th of December then you got Fulham away on the 30th of December so I think the Arsenal fixtures are pretty good and I think when you've got a player like that's always going to play you're going to take some penalties I've got to keep saying that now not all penalties some penalties I think he's just worth keeping hold of I think he's a great option obviously if Arteta rules him out for weeks completely different conversation you just get rid of him so I'll leave that there 
and I'll talk about him again probably on final thoughts once we hear from Arteta. So let's stick with Arsenal but move on to their defence and talk about Ben White because he's been transferred in by over 120,000 FPL managers already this week and I kind of get it right if you look at overall defender points he's on 45 that puts him in third place only Trippier on 49 and Yoki Manaton on 51 are ahead of him so he does look pretty good from that perspective and obviously he's cheaper than Trippier as well and if we look at his recent points a nine-pointer against Man City, so clean sheet, three bonus. He had a 14-pointer against Bournemouth, one goal, and obviously got the clean sheet as well. And against Spurs, they did concede twice, and they only got four points, but that was an assist. The game before that was seven points, so he hasn't blanked since game week four against Man United. So all those things look pretty good. But then when I look at the stats, he just doesn't ever look that attacking. And I know sometimes when you watch him play... He does get forward down that right side. He's got a good relationship with Saka, and that does work nicely. But 0.06 expected goals per night, 0.08 expected assists. Like, it's fine, but it's nothing to get too excited about. And look, like I said, he is cheaper than Trippier, but he's also way more expensive than most of the other Arsenal defenders at the moment. And he is nailed on, right? You know, whatever formation or or whatever tactical setup Arteta goes with, Ben White is always a part of that, either right back or right centre back. So there is maybe some benefit to pay an extra to have that nailed on defender. But is he worth more than Saliba? He's 0.4 million more expensive than him. And I know he's flagged at the moment, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine. Right, It's international break. There are... Uh, reports that he had this injury for a little while he's been playing with injections but i suspect he will be fine for game week 10 like he's 0.6 million sorry 0.4 million cheaper at 5.2 does he offer that little attacking threat where it's worth paying the extra for ben white probably not and i do think for people that are looking to have harlan and salah money is going to get tight especially if you want to keep players like trippier and so every little bit is going to help not to take a phrase from tesco of course i just don't see I just don't see me ever paying 5.6 for Ben White when I can get all the other Arsenal defenders cheaper. And just to quickly touch, and I'll come on to Gabriel and Zinchenko in a minute, just to touch on the Arsenal fixtures, because I spoke about them on the early thoughts video, I think, or maybe on the wildcard video, and someone said their fixtures aren't as good as they look, at least not for the long term. And I kind of get that. I think from game week 10 to uh, to 15, where they play Luton away, are fine. Okay, Newcastle away is tricky, but that's the only dodgy one in there, I would say. From a defensive point of view, Villa away, Brighton at home, Liverpool away is quite tough. But again, you don't want to use a huge amount of transfers on defenders if you can help it. And I just think if I had to play my Arsenal defender for th- those three fixtures to then have them for really good ones afterwards and before, I'm kind of okay with that. Especially when Arsenal is one of the top three defences, I would say, in the league. Just got a clean sheet against Man City. Wouldn't expect that too often. But could they nick a clean sheet in one of these tougher fixtures, Villa away or Brighton at home? It's a possibility. So I think an Arsenal defender is good for the long term. If you want to go super safe for minutes, then it's definitely Saliba. Um, Just on Zinchenko and Gabriel, I don't think they're completely risk-free. And obviously, Partey is a player that Arsenal or Arteta is going to want to get into that team. But I'm not sure whether Party was playing because Zinchenko was injured or just because Arteta wanted to go for that kind of setup. I just feel like with Zinchenko back when he's fit, he's going to play. And if he's going to play, I feel like Gabriel is also going to play as well. And Gabriel's 4.7. He's 0.9 million cheaper than Ben White. 
for me, that's that's probably worth the risk. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people watching this aren't looking at Ben White anyway, but he's been transferred in by so many people that I wanted to talk about him, and it gives me a chance to talk about the Arsenal defence in general. So if I want to go super safe for minutes, I'm buying Saliba. And if I want a second Arsenal defender, I'm probably taking the risk on Gabriel because at 4.7, that is potentially insane. Insane is probably a bit too far, but it's potentially great value. So I briefly mentioned Yoki Manison there, the highest scoring defender in the game so far this season. Over 150,000 transfers in this week. Let's talk about him. I think at this stage, I would probably ignore him. Now, those of you that are really following along closely will know that I spoke about him in the Game Week 8 transfer tips video, and I didn't mind him as a transfer in that week, especially if you could bench him for the following two weeks. So maybe you might think I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite, but things have changed, right? In Game Week 8, they had, I think it was Nottingham Forest at home, so a pretty good fixture for a clean sheet. Now they've got Newcastle away in Game Week 9, Spurs at home in Game Week 10. And look, if you bought him in eight, you might be looking to bench him these two weeks and then play him afterwards. That's fair enough. But who needs to bring in a defender with Newcastle away? That just doesn't make sense to me. But also, he's gone up in price. When I spoke about him for game week eight, he was 4.7 million. This week, he's 4.9, right? So he's gone up another 0.2 million. Now, Crystal Palace defense, very good last season in terms of underlying numbers, expected goals conceded. I've already mentioned that I was a little bit skeptical about whether or not they could keep that up this season. So far, they have. So I do rate the Crystal Palace defense, but I don't think you need a 4.9 million defender from them with Newcastle away and Spurs at home coming up obviously if he ends up being the highest scoring defender by the time we get to game week 38 then I'm going to look a bit stupid but I'm not sure that's going to be the case and I just think if you're going to go for a Palace defender you just pick someone cheaper at this stage right it's a bit like the Ben White and Saliba conversation you can get Mark Gay for 4.5 million now to be fair Joachim Manderson has already got two goals this season so he does look maybe a bit more attacking is that something that he's going to keep up because if we look at previous seasons he had one goal last year uh, no goals the year before although he did have four assists and one goal one assist the season before that so has something changed so massively that he's now this big attacking threat was he unlucky in previous seasons i'm not sure right? i've not watched every single game that Joachim anderson's played um but i just i don't know i just don't think it's worth paying 4.9 million for also Again, a bit like Ben White, if you look at his underlying numbers, 0.09 expected goals per 90, 0.08 expected assists, they're not bad, right? But it's not it's not something that makes me think he's this huge kind of goal threat, especially versus other defenders. Like I looked on Fantasy Football Hub um, on their Optostats tool. You can check this out, links in the description below if you want to go through other players' positions and stuff like that. I've put it to per 90 minutes for all defenders, and I've got rid of players with low minutes. And I've ordered it by non-panoramic expected goals per 90. Like you've got Cash at 0.4, Dunk at 0.17, Ake at 0.17, Eschapinian at 0.16. They're all more attacking than what Yoki Manderson has shown so far. So we know he's got the two goals. If he keeps that up, happy days. But is he going to get two goals every nine fixtures? Probably not. Newcastle away, Spurs at home, not worth bringing in for. I don't see a clean sheet. Game week 11 to 13, Burnley away, Everton at home, Luton away. Look pretty good. But I just think if you want a Crystal Palace defender to rotate in between bad fixtures, then I think I'd just pay 0.5 million less at this point. So if you got on Yoki Manderson early, fair enough. If you bought him at 4.7 in game week 8 uh, against uh, Forest, where they got the clean sheet and you're going to bench in the next couple of weeks, happy days. But for those of us buying new, you wait until game week 11 and you probably just go for someone else. 
All right, let's talk about Darwin Nunez. Over 50,000 transfers in so far this week. And game week nine really is where Liverpool's fixtures get better. they got Everton at home this week. Then it's Forest at home in 10. So back-to-back home games. Then it's Luton away in 11. Brentford at home in 12. Man City away in 13. So hardest fixture of the season. But that's the most difficult game out of the next five. And it's not till game week 13. Then they've got Fulham at home in game week 14. It's just, and just as a reminder, I'm sure you've looked at Liverpool's fixtures loads. We'll pull up the games they've got after that. I should have already been ready for this. Uh, it's Sheffield United away in 15 and Palace away in 16. Even after that, when they've got to play Man United and Arsenal, which on paper maybe look a little bit trickier, they're both at home. And then it's Burnley away in game week 19. So the fixtures for Liverpool are good for quite a while. I do think they are worth looking at. And I think Darwin Nunez's price at 7.4 million is quite interesting. Because if in isolation you're asking me who's better, Nunez or Watkins, I think with Villa's upcoming fixtures and no worries about minutes... Watkins is definitely the answer, but the price difference is getting to be quite big now. Obviously, Darwin Nunez has dropped in price since the season begun. He's 7.4, and Ollie Watkins, who is the highest scoring forward, I think, so far this season, yeah, four points ahead of Haaland, is now 8.2, so there's a 0.8 million difference. Now, Villa have got West Ham at home, Luton at home, Forest away, Fulham at home. Most people would say it's absolutely worth paying the extra to have that consistency of minutes and the fixtures they've got. But for some people, that money might be getting tight now and that might not be possible. So I do like Darwin as an alternative. The problem is you do have those minutes worries over him. I absolutely think he is the first choice number nine for Liverpool right now. And I could see him starting all of Forest at home, Luton away and Brentford at home. But this week, because of international duty, I'm just not so sure. We need to wait for an injury update from Klopp on Gakpo. But even if he isn't available... Depending on fitness and availability, we could see Luis Diaz on the left and Jota through the middle. I just think Jota starting this week for Liverpool, there's quite a high chance of that because he hasn't had to travel so far to play, obviously, his international games and stuff like that. So I think there's every chance Jota starts this week. So then it's who else starts. Definitely Salah because he always does. And then it's going to be one of Diaz on the left and Jota through the middle, or it's going to be Jota on the left and Nunez through the middle. And I just don't know if it's worth bringing him in this week for that risk. I think if you can delay it till game week 10, that would be better. It's worth saying that in game week 13, that is also after an international break. So you've got exactly the same worries there, but it's Man City away anyway. So I wouldn't be expecting a huge amount of points. So maybe it's not so much of an issue i also think by the way i've got to laugh at this because i know how much klopp hates it they're also playing at 12 30 on saturday after the next international break which is kind of mad right man city versus liverpool 12 30 on a saturday but that's where it's been put um so i do think there's a chance he maybe doesn't start that game i think because of how big of a match it is if klopp can get him on the pitch from the start then he probably would play and we know how good he is, right? We know how many chances he gets. But there, there is another risk in four weeks' time. But I just, I don't know. There's something that always draws. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've actually owned him since he came to Liverpool. But there's always that temptation to bring him in. Because 0.83 expected goals per 90. 0.21 expected assists per 90. Yes, he doesn't always play to 90 minutes. He doesn't always start. That is a smaller sample size than some of the forwards. But no one, apart from kind of Haaland, gets close to those numbers and he is going to get the chances i know i've been saying this for probably a whole season now at some point he is going to go on a run where he just converts all those chances i just think he's one of those players that can frustrate you because he can easily go and get you a brace 
but he can also get three or four big chances and just miss them all and you come away from a game thinking well i could have had a 15 pointer there and i've come away with two points so i think you need to i think you need to be the kind of fpl manager that can you know have those highs but accept the lows but also know that he's not guaranteed to start every single game he might be first choice number nine right now that doesn't mean you're going to play every game only salary in that attack is likely you know to not be a worry essentially Luis diaz maybe i think he started pretty much every game apart from the one after the international break but really salary is the only one you can be certain of starting every game so i think for 7.4 million 0.8 million cheaper than watkins he's definitely worth considering but it does come with some risk. On my game week 10 wildcard, I'm going to be tempted. But honestly, if I can swing the money, I'll definitely go for Watkins instead. So let me know if you're tempted by any Liverpool attackers that aren't called Mohamed Salah. Because obviously, he is a great option. If you enjoyed that video, give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, and obviously, if you're on podcast, make sure to rate five stars if you've enjoyed it as well. And if you want to check out Fantasy Football Hub, all the links you need are in the description below. I will catch you again tomorrow with team selection. We'll have, no, probably game week preview. I'll do team selection on thursday and then we'll have final thoughts on friday deadline stream on saturday we are back properly taking you all the way through to the next international break and obviously after that loads of content to come for the rest of the season so thanks for watching and i'll catch you again tomorrow sports social podcast network